0: Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Do we have any mountain climbers here today? Mountain climbers! Hey, hey, mo- hey. Mo- hey. Steve fell off a mountain. A long, way. a long way. I was in contact with the mountain most of the way down. Most of the way down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was how, how long ago was that? Uh, two years and two months. I mean, yeah, two years. But two years ago, we had we had two people in the congregation that that fell down mountains, and it, the fact that either one of them lived is a miracle. I mean, it, it is a it is a miracle. So we are we're grateful that. So why do people climb mountains? <laughs> Because it's there. Thank you, Andy. That's right. It's because it's there. and it, the, So the highest mountain peak uh, here in the state of California is? Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney, 14,494 feet. And you've been there several times. Several times. Okay, what's the highest mountain peak in the, in the entire United States? Continental or? The, no, no, not continental. Continental is Mount Whitney. No, Denali. Denali, Denali. Denali, that's right. And Denali is, is how high? Twenty thousand three hundred and eight feet. And the highest mountain in the world. Anybody know? Mount Everest. You been there, Andy? Okay. Just checking. Just checking. So Mount Everest is twenty-nine thousand twenty-nine feet. And people climb these things. They want to get to that higher ground. they want to be able to look out and see the the vistas and And I imagine that they are spectacular, uh, but personally, uh, the mountains that 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 I climb are are a little more metaphoric. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless important, I dare say that all of us in a sense, are spiritual mountain climbers, and we are looking for that higher ground. I mean, how many times have we said, oh, that was such a huge mountaintop experience, and, you know, we send our kids off to camp, and where's camp? In the mountains, and, and they go up there, and when, when my kids were little, we used to go up to Forest Home for family camp every year, and Uh, And there there were some significant moments. You know, Billy Graham up at uh, Forest Home had a mountaintop experience, changed the direction of his life. So we have these experiences up on these mountaintops. And the challenge, of course, is to hang on to them when we come back down the mountain. Because even as we are climbing mountains, whether they are physical or, or spiritual mountains, we climb up, we, get, we find ourselves uh, down in the valley sometimes. And so we cling to those mountaintop experiences to help us through the difficult challenges that we face. Well, as Mr. Mosier mentioned, Bible, uh, the Bible has uh, mountains all over the place. We talk about uh, uh, you know, Mount Zion, we talk about uh, Mount Ararat, we, we talk about Mount Carmel. That's that's one of my favorites. Uh, I know it's a little morbid, but you know, you know uh, Elijah comes there with all the prophets of Baal, and they they build these altars, and uh, and he says, "Okay, you prophets of Baal, knock yourself out. Call upon your God to take care of this offering." and and they, they dance around and cut themselves and do all kinds of stuff. And, and, and Elijah's over there. He's chiding them. Maybe you need to yell a little louder. Maybe your God's gone to sleep. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom. I mean, really, he, he asks that question. Of course, nothing happens. And then he says, stand aside and watch. Watch the power of the Lord. And he has his altar constructed and they dig a ditch around it and they douse it with water and then more water and then more water. And then Elijah says, all right, Lord, show them show him who's God. And, you know, uh, fire comes down from heaven and just takes up the offering. And it was just a stunning, stunning moment. And, uh, and then he dispatches all the prophets of Baal and uh, and then he runs away because he's afraid of Jezebel. But that's a sermon for another day. So uh, mountains are very, very important. And, uh, and, and in, the, uh, in the Bible, there is a mountain that is associated with the Old Testament covenant. And there is a mountain that is associated with the New Testament covenant. And the mountain that is associated with the Old Testament covenant is Mount Sinai. And the mountain that is uh, associated with the New Covenant is Mount Zion. If you have your Bibles, open them up to this 12th chapter of Hebrews. Now, the author of Hebrews, again, the author of Hebrews is... is, is Preaching, because really the the letter to Hebrews is a sermon. Uh, The author of Hebrews is is preaching to a group of Jewish background believers who are really struggling. They're having some valley experiences. I I have to believe that when they first encountered the good news of Jesus Christ, it was a huge mountaintop experience for them. But now they 've got family members that are not happy with the choices that they 've made uh, they 've got, got a secular community that 's not happy with the choices that they have made and it, one of the things that just breaks my heart there, were a, there was a Gentile community of worshipers that were also giving them a bad time because they said, you guys are being a little too Jewish, lighten up a little bit, uh, and, and so they 're thinking, you know what. And, and, of course, uh, the, uh, the Sinai covenant Jews were saying, come back, come back to us, come back to us. And, and they're just trying to figure it out. And the author of Hebrews comes in and says, no, no. You need to understand that this Jesus whom you have encountered... He is far superior to the angels, far superior to to Moses and the the law, uh, far superior. In fact, he is the high priest who offers up this sacrifice once for all. And you want to go back? You want to go back to, to you? You are on the higher ground. Do not go back. And then, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this incredible chapter of uh, of the of the heroes of the faith and the wonderful things the uh, the wonderful faithfulness that that they experienced. And they and they did fight some great battles, and they lost some battles, uh, but they never gave up their faith. They never gave up their faith. Even though they didn't see the promises, the fulfillment of the promises that God made, they hung on to their faith with incredible tenacity. And that's what the author of Hebrews is reminding them and reminding us to do the same thing. Hold on to our faith with this incredible tenacity. Listen, listen to what the author writes in this 12th chapter starting at verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fu- that is and it, that that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling, trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all people, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to be sprinkled with blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who who warned them on the earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What a contrast between Mount Sinai and the, and the Old Covenant and Mount Zion, the New Covenant. and and, and you remember uh because i know all of you are bible scholars and you've you've gone through and you've read uh uh, you've read the bible uh, genesis exodus leviticus numbers uh deuteronomy all those things you read them all right yes okay well in exodus we read about about moses bringing the nation of israel to the foot of the mountain uh, and, and as God begins to speak and the, and the cloud, remember the cloud of by, di- by day and the pillar of fire by night that led them to this mountain? And when God began to speak to them, the people recoiled and said, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. Moses, you do it for us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, and, but, but Moses does. But there's this, this sense that they cannot approach the mountain and the presence of God Because their sinfulness had yet to be dealt with. It was still a part of their lives. And so God gives them this covenant. And and actually, He gives them a way out before that. You'll you'll remember that. verse uh, In chapter 19 of, of Exodus, God says, and you've heard me say this countless times. God says, I brought you out of Egypt because I love you. You're free to go. You owe me nothing. If you want to stay and be my people, then I think we can do some pretty neat things together. I'll create of you a nation of priests. Now, why would God need a nation of priests? Because ultimately the promises of God that were given to Abraham are for all people, for all people. He says, you you stay with me and and we'll covenant together and I will create of you a nation of priests. But understand, this is a conditional covenant. If you do this, if you faithfully obey the commandments that I give to you, then I will bless you and, and you will be like no other nation on the face of the earth. And they said, we're in and after they commit, that's when God says, okay, I'm going to lay out the program to you. This is my program. It, you know, my house, my rules, you'll do it my way. And they said, we're in, we're in. And, of course, we know how that, how that ended up. It, it didn't end up well. I mean, before Moses was even down from the mountain, they're partying and, and Aaron, <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, okay, you know, give me your gold and I'll throw it and I'll make a calf out of it. And of course he does. And Moses comes down and goes, Aaron, what? And Aaron says, hey, little brother, all I did was, you know, I just, I threw the gold into the fire and out came this calf. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway, they, they, they go through this up and down. Talk about mountaintop experiences down in the valleys, mountaintop experience down in the valleys. And then once a year, every year, once a year at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the, uh, uh, into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, which was considered to be the nexus between heaven and earth. That when you were in the Holy of Holies, you were, you were, you were in this place where, where heaven and earth uh, uh, come together. And only the high priest could go there. And the high priest would then offer up that sacrifice so that all of Israel would be forgiven. And then they'd have to wait a whole nother year. And that's the whole Groundhog Day over and over and over again. It, n- it never changed. So, so uh, it, was a, uh, uh, it was a fearful and awesome display of the holiness of God and what it takes to approach that holiness. So that's, that's, the, that's the Old Testament covenant. That's the mountain that it's, it's there, but there's a new covenant, a new covenant on a new mountain, and, and Jesus himself is the, is, the, is the mediator of this new covenant. Not only is he the mediator of this new covenant, he's the author Of of this new covenant. He fulfills every letter of the law in in, in such a way that the the justice of God is satisfied. Once and for all, the justice of God is satisfied so that when we come before God, we are judged through a lens, if you will, of Jesus Christ without spot, without wrinkle. Dare I say it? Forgiveness. We have been, we are the recipients of this incredible forgiveness. What do we do with that forgiveness? We take it joyfully. We celebrate joyfully. And we look for that time in the fullness of time. And and I I love this description. I don't have it marked, but I have to read it for you uh, because it's just... One of my favorite passages in the book of Revelation uh, when, when, when John writes this, I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful, as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with people, and God will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And my favorite part, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And the one who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my child. Is that cool? All right. You know, that's, that's what we're looking forward to. And, 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 and no, it's not here yet. Obviously, it's not here yet. We live in a broken world, but we hang on to that promise, just like those people did in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. They hung on to the promise, even though they didn't see it fulfilled, because they trusted in the one who made the promise. They trusted in the one who made the promise. I love this. You have come to Mount Zion, to the, he- the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Can you imagine? That's what we look forward to. An assembly of thousands upon thousands of angels joyfully celebrating God's faithfulness. Now we come up with tens and tens of people into a sanctuary where we have opportunity to worship together, to celebrate God's faithfulness in our lives and to strengthen us when we go out these doors because our faith is more than one hour on Sunday morning. Our faith is 24-7 and this time, is designed for us to gather together, to rejoice in God's faithfulness, to go deeper into God's word so that we know the promises and and, and we understand the the, the ethics in, in which God has designed for us to thrive, to thrive. The church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all. And God is the judge of all. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because God is not biased. God doesn't play favorites. You know, when you go before, uh, when you go before an earthly judge, you hope that, that the judge that you go before is, is, a, is a person of integrity. But you, you don't know because that person is a human being and is flawed. Same with the high priest every year. They hoped and they prayed that that high priest was a person of integrity, that their sacrifice for themselves and for the nation of Israel would be accepted. God is the ultimate. He knows the heart and he will, he will judge true. And I I rest in that because I know that there is grace and there is forgiveness at the cross. Jesus is the mediator of that new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better words than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel cry out for? Justice cried out. God said, yo, Cain, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? What are you asking me for? He knew full well where his brother was. And yes, as a matter of fact, we are our brother and sister's keepers. Abel's blood cried out for justice. But the blood of Christ cries out forgiveness, grace, and mercy to those who seek him. So see to it, he says here in verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And, and, and I, I love the first paragraph uh, of this sermon back in chapter 1. Listen to it again. It's, just, it's beautiful. In, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Just ponder that for a minute. That right now, Jesus Christ is sustaining all of creation by the power of his word. And after he had provided purification for sin, we can approach the mountain now. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I mean, that's just, those are greatly encouraging, encouraging words. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. The word once more indicating uh, the removing of what can be shaken, that is, the created things. How many of you have been in an earthquake? Yeah, I remember the Silmar earthquake in 1987. Remember that one? That was a a 6.1 earthquake that hit Los Angeles, and, and we were in Pasadena at the time it was months before the uh, the birth of our firstborn and uh, we were on the third floor of an old apartment complex and and boy did it shake and stuff fell off of the bookshelves and we 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 lost some uh, some things that broke when they fell uh and I, and i remember walking uh, down downtown pasadena it was a ghost town nobody was out and there was shattered glass and uh, i mean it was it was uh uh, in in the vernacular of my generation, it was an e-ticket ride. Anybody not know what an e-ticket is? Yeah, <laughs> I'll deal with you later. Disneyland, <laughs> Disneyland. That was, those were the good rides, the e-tickets. They were the good rides. And you know, people are people. They say, I want to go to California, the shake and bake state. You know, you have earthquakes there. And says, Yeah, we have earthquakes, but what do you deal with? Hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, you know, floods, you know, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. And right now we find ourselves in that already but not yet period. And that's what the author wants us to recognize and not lose hope. But to live into the grace that God has given to us. And that I think is a challenge for us as Christians to live into the grace that God has given to us. And I, I, one of my favorite quotes by, uh, by Dallas Willard uh, was that Christians need to burn through grace like a jet burns through fuel. Some of you are pilots. You know the rate of consumption of fuel in a jet engine. And we as Christians are to burn through grace like that. And, and you know how we burn through most of our grace? By dumping it on ourselves ourselves. I mean, we love to bathe in grace, but we're a little more stingy with it when it comes to sharing it with others. And it needs to be just the opposite. If we're going to share grace, we need to be a little bit harder on ourselves. Come on, we let ourselves off way too easy. While, we, while Instead of steering people to Mount Zion, where there's going to be thousands and thousands of angels celebrating joyfully, we're dragging them over to Mount Zion. Mount, uh, uh, Mount Sinai, thank you. If we're dragging them over to Mount Sinai, say, I don't even want to think about it uh, because we've got these rules and regulations and you need to do this, that, and the other. If you don't do, live and do exactly what I do and, and look like me and sing the songs that I sing and worship the way that I do, you're outside. You're not a part of God's kingdom. It's like, oh my gosh. Rather than establish boundaries and markers that, 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 that we tell people that, hey, If you want to be a a follower of God, you got to live within these paradigms and these structures that I set up for you. Let's just blast those out of the way. And instead of putting up markers, put up one person, Jesus Christ, and say, hey, people, look at him. You know, I'm a flawed human being. Trust me. You don't want to look at me. I'm going to get it right sometimes, but I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. But you know who never gets it wrong? Jesus so focus on Jesus people. Because that's where the transforming power exists. Focus on the teachings of Jesus who told us to love others. Now, he told us also to be just people. Don't we what happens when we fall? We have grace, but let's accept that grace with some humility and not be arrogant, but to be joyful. Yeah, you know what? I I I blew it. I I fell. I I confess my sin, and I know that I'm forgiven. How can I come alongside of you and help you in whatever it that is you're going through? How do we walk together? How do I point others to Jesus? How do I celebrate with the thousands and thousands of angels the joy that is available to us through the person of Jesus Christ? God is and always will be a consuming fire. He is the judge and one day he will judge and we read in Philippians that at that day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Selfishly, I hope that's a long way off because I still have friends and family members who are not yet followers of Jesus. And, and I sure want them to come to know the Lord. But if they can't come to know the Lord through the joy that is in my life, what hope is there for them? If they can't come to know the Lord through the grace that I extend, not just to myself, but to everyone around me, even those with whom we disagree, can we disagree without being disagreeable? I say we must. We must stand firm, be just people who love mercy and walk humbly with God. And when we exist in that paradigm, we find ourselves on that holy hill that cannot be shaken. And as I've told you before, the two things that I hope every single person knows that hears me preach is that they are a beloved child of God in whom Christ dwells and that they live each and every day in the unshakable kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. We sing for joy because we worship the author of joy. And we need to, we, 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 we need to live in that more. This is just the preparation for the, when the real party begins. And God wants as many people there as possible. Who will God let into heaven? everyone he can but the holiness of God will ultimately reign supreme and through Jesus Christ we have entry we gather to celebrate that truth and be strengthened for the days ahead and as we go forth we bless each other with that blessing of Aaron it's up on the wall if you don't know it let's do it may the Lord bless you and keep you May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May He lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen.